Hello there and welcome to episode 23 of For The Record Podcast. The podcast where we talk and ramble and discuss and argue and fight and hug and cuddle about music. My name is Sean Tierney. With me as always is my co-host, Mr. Zach Buggy. Nobody likes you when you're 23. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never sang I'm Feeling 22 by Taylor Swift on our last episode. Would you believe when no. I... When I turned 23, yeah, when I turned 23, the literally at like 5 to 12, the night just as I was turning 23, my missus showed me 22 by Taylor Swift for my first <laughs> time ever. And it was like, this is the last time this song will ever be relevant to you. And I'd never actually fucking heard the song before. And to this day, just like, and this is not even a, this is a complete coincidence, just like, the way everyone misheard the lyric in uh, Blank Space, that Taylor mm. Swift, you know, the Starbucks. Your Starbucks lover, lover yeah. And uh, th- that's the sound of Starbucks. I'm trying to get Starbucks delivered. What you drinking? I'm drinking um, um, uh, Nespresso iced coffee. Oh, so we're both iced coffee and nice one. Mm. I got mine delivered because I live in London and, and we can do that. And I just made mine because yeah, and it didn't cost probably like five quid or whatever yours cost. Excuse me, excuse me, eleven quid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy, you fancy! Oh no, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it cost eleven quid, but it definitely cost too much, whatever it cost. Uh, but just like that, I'm still a test that Taylor Swift song twenty two. She's not saying twenty two. She's saying Swiss woo. No, she's saying 22, man. No, but I'm not 22. I know, but it fall, she's saying switch through. I, no I will like not that. stand for any Taylor Swift disparaging on this podcast. Oh, man, Taylor Swift's whack as fuck, man. I um, hate oh, my God. I hate Taylor Swift. That's an episode. And, and so, so comes to an end, episode 23, and also this podcast forever. <laughs> you best believe we're going to have a Tay-Tay episode. Oh, I hope so. I can't wait. Yeah, um, like, I can't wait to hear you try... And actually just, yeah. Oh, there'll be no trying, man. You're trying to defend that shit. I'll succeed greatly. Succeed my balls. You can suck my seed. That's, way, that's way. Just so gross. I feel like starting this particular episode talking about Taylor Swift is just wildly inappropriate. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a fair point. Because today, dear listener, we are going to be discussing... The fifth full-length album from experimental, three-piece, avant-garde, black metal, jazz band from New York, Imperial Triumphant. Yeah, we are. Mother of God. Did you know they formed in 2005? Well, it it seems to be that thing where, like, they formed in 2005, but, like, it was really just the, the yeah. main that That's what I was thinking, because yeah. 2005 does not make sense. No, I mean, their first album came out in fucking uh, 2012. 12, yeah, yeah. And by that point, they already had like two of the three members. And then their bass player, I think, joined in 2014. So, I mean, they've had the same lineup for 
four of their five albums. So when it says they formed in 2005, in other words... It's the, a bit of they, a stretch, really, isn't it? They got the idea for... The, the frontman got the idea for the band in 2005 and seems like demoed it around and workshop yeah. project with a slew of different musicians for a long time. But it wasn't until like 2011, 2012 that they finally were kind of ready to actually start like become a cohesive touring band and shit. So I mean, for more like I mean, like it says this he's they started in 2005, but the band, the three piece that we know of them have been recording together since 2014. Mm-hmm. So four of the five albums are with the current lineup. Like um I I'm holding my hands up. Those first two records, um, I never heard. To be honest, I didn't know they existed um until I did the research for this. Uh, the first time I heard about this band was in 2018 with Vile Luxury. Um, because I heard, you know, the whisperings and the rumblings about it or whatever. But yeah. really, it was Alphaville in 2020 that just, like, inserted them forcefully onto my radar. Because they were everywhere. They were everywhere on my timeline when, when they released that record. Um, People were fucking bigging it up left, right and centre. And my my boyfriend, Mr. Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro, is a huge Imperial Triumphant fan. He's been singing about them from the rooftops for years. So, um, yeah, that's that's my only relationship with them. I I, I liked Alphabet a lot. It's it's really, like, impressively musical. Like, it's... it, But it leaves me a little bit cold, you know? Uh, but it's a very, very good record, nonetheless. Well, Imperial Triumphant actually got by me for quite a bit. It was only last year that I kind of just kind of found circles talking about them mm. and 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 saw, you know, when you're catching up on albums you missed out on and uh, was seeing a lot of talk about Alphaville from 2020. Mm. I, I haven't heard this band and then saw a lot of people talking about Via Luxury and so then I did my research and went back, listened to the early work, watched some early music videos and then kind of sat down with Via Luxury and... There's a track on that that just kind of, and then I read all about their ethos, you know, of taking taking influence from like their their aesthetic surroundings of New York jazz to influence their sound. Because for all intents and purposes, they're a jazz trio playing black metal. That that that's kind of how I mm-hmm. see it. You know, singer, guitarist, bassist, drummer. I mean, it's just that's it's, a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. It's like the jazz rock, and obviously there's a whole lot of avant-garde embellishments going on. But deep at its core, it's a jazz trio playing black metal. Mm-hmm. And there was just something about Via Luxury that I thought was just in, really incredible. And then and then I listened to Alphaville a, a little bit, not too much, but I really did dig what I kind of heard. But it was this year the when they dropped the Mercurius Gilded, and which features Kenny G, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was almost a meme unto itself. That it was getting a lot of traction online because. And this is not some dude like called Kenny G. This is this is the Kenny G. Kenny like, G, the white, smooth jazz clarinet saxophone. The Kenny G. Kenny G, the who Kenny serenaded Kim Kardashian at the behest of Kanye West, like. That yeah. Kenny G. And with Kenny G is his son, Max Gorlick. Mm-hmm. And you, in the middle of this blackened avant-garde jazz tune, you have Kenny G and his son basically have a sax guitar off. And it is absolutely, it's just absolute lunacy. And 
for all of the memeing about it, you know, oh my God, the Kenny G is on the new Imperial Triumphant song, lol. The song is incredible. And I just, I knew then, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be the Imperial Triumphant album that, that makes them like click with me and makes me go back and to the really early albums and take them in fully. And mm. re- I could tell, because I'd liked what I had heard of the last two, but I knew with this, that after hearing Mercurius Gilded, that this was going to be every year, the last couple of years, there has been a truly, truly special extreme metal release for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every and I love because I love so much like different types of fucking punk and metal and shit. And and I miss some stuff. And I always find every year there's at least one really just intense, extreme piece of metal that I adore. I mean, my favorite album of 2020 was Wayfarer, A Romance with Violence, which is like Americana, Red Dead Redemption, black metal. Um, those guys have just been signed to Century Media and had that album reissued and shit, so I'm absolutely chuffed for them. And then last year, one of my favorite albums of last year, which this new Imperial Triumphant album reminds me a lot of, is uh, Ad Nauseum, Imperative and Perceptible Impulse. That was one of my top 10 of last year, and that was like incredibly oppressive, nihilistic kind of not necessarily black metal, not necessarily death metal, kind of a melting pot of the two, but very avant-garde. Extreme avant-garde. Extreme avant-garde metal, yeah, really dark and and, and very kind of, you know, not overproduced, very raw and organic. Very, yeah. Yeah, and I love... Earthy is the word, isn't it? There we go. That's Steve Albini kind of sound. Yeah. And that's kind of immediately to fast forward... sitting down with Spirit of Ecstasy by Imperial Triumphant the first thing I took straight away was oh fuck yeah I I knew straight away this was going to be my extreme metal album of this year and also I think one of the reasons I love it so much not just because I love black metal and extreme metal is that it actually really sonically reminds me in part of that ad nauseum record down to the, the real kind of low jagged recording of the Mm. guitar and the squelching tang of the bass it's so it's it's disgusting it's really it's horrible Uh, uh, the production is horrible and that and and i absolutely love that and i'm gonna i'm gonna hand over to you now so we can kind of start from your angle with the record um i think that it's worth it's worth saying that as much as as much as i grew up like enjoying really extreme forms of music. I think whenever you get into like metal and stuff, you start looking for heavier and faster and more dirty and more extreme, you know? And I was, I was really into like death metal and black metal and stuff. And I've fallen a little bit out of love with those genres. Um, just because I find that, you know, that phrase, there's nothing new on this earth. You know, and I feel like where I am in my relationship with extreme music is that it has to be truly, truly innovative and truly spectacular to really resonate with me. Um, and that's a point I'm actually going to get back to as we come towards supping, or summing up this this record. Um, we discussed this privately. I was fucking dreading, dreading reviewing this album. Yeah, this was my pick. <laughs> this was Zach's pick. Um 
just because Imperial Triumphant are they're a lot like you know it's it's full on it's it's just a lot and my first listen to this was in the car and it was just it's the wrong environment so I have this really nice pair of headphones that I use for my in-depth music listening and um, I decided to whack them on and for this review give Imperial Triumphant their due and I'll be honest it was a far different experience um I think I might just get into a couple of my thoughts if that's cool with you. And um, obviously, feel free to jump in along the way. Um, I think it has to be said that musically, this is this is pretty spectacular. I think the rhythm section are outrageous. I mean, the drumming is that drumming is the best drumming I've heard in an album all year. The without, you know ranging from like jazz inflected blast beats to like it's like four four but off time four four. You know, you can count the four beats, but he's doing all this fucking insane shit in between it. Um, it's a really unconventional approach to, like, conventional beats. It's excellent. Um, I don't know how you feel, but I feel there's very little point in addressing this record song by song. Because, to me, uh, in my my most musical fashion, this feels like a whole body of work. You know, it feels like a single um... flowing piece of work. Kind of, but I also think that there are, I think each song has its own kind of standout moments. Okay, cool. Of, I, I'd almost say, I, I feel, I get what you're saying. It almost, it almost moves with getting super pretentious. It almost moves like an old Roman play or some shit like that. It's like this ancient ritual of sorts where every piece is like this grand spectacle. But I do feel there are moments on each, like, I love how even like the opening track chump change, you know, it's the, there's like that. What, one of the main bands that comes to mind is Attila era mayhem, but in a real that crazy, like all over the place. Drumming is definitely yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And, and those, those, it, the riffs are almost like Ordoid KO era riffs where there's no and that kind of from the from the depths of the earth growl as well that kind of yeah that real raspy rumbling growl, like, yeah and yeah. then but then it's got these real I think what's so amazing about Imperial Trump and about this record is that the moments of quiet are, are, are kind of some of the most haunting and impressive moments like where on Trump Change like at, re, at one point like you're like oh the song's over and then it kind of and it comes back in these mm. like sonic waves, and or even the on Metro Vertigo when the track just stops and the that that kind of horror movie jazz piano that comes in like it, all all those it's the tiny little motifs that are kind of di- almost displaced mm. within the cacophony really stick with me, and there's some and there's really haunting moments like the. On Metro Vertigo, you know, it's uh, it's like a Gregorian chant where they're like, build, build, now, now, our, our, our offering to Master Bal, whatever the fuck that means. Mm. And that's one thing as well. The lyrics here, because like I said, you know, Imperial Triumphant's thing is they, it, they're, they're a black metal band from New York, inspired by New York and inspired by jazz. So... The lyrics here, to me, they're very black metal in, in a way. You know, they mention gluttony and hermitage, and he even sings with like 
an Attila Scandinavian cadence, even though they're from New York. And the lyrics on paper, they kind they resemble as mentions of altars of gluttony, you know, and masters and all this shit. But deep down, there seems to be a real kind of critique of just modern life, and especially in New York. And the next track, Tower of Glory, City of Shame, which is just an immense piece of work. And for many reasons, because number one, I love, like love the really melodic passage, you know, where it almost, it goes into almost altar of plagues, death heaven layers of like melodiousness. Can I, can I just interject here? Um, my, my favorite parts of this record are the, the softer moments, the quieter moments. Yes, I know it's exactly what you mean. Do you know what I mean? They're very, they give you a little bit of time to think about the stuff that's going on around them, if that makes sense. I know that's a very technical way of putting it, but you know, there's just so much going on at almost every point in this record that those little moments of quiet and you know that skittering, you know, jazz uh, piano bit, the horrible sounding piano bit that you mentioned, that's an example of that where you're like, oh, my shit, my focus is over here now, you know, and it's it, that's a really interesting aspect to this record. And I think as a whole, the whole thing, like it kind of undulates and it it pulses at all the right moments, you know, like it gives you time and then it smashes the shit out of you and then it gives you a little bit more time and the and soundscapes are used really well alongside the traditional instrumentation. And that's the thing, on Tower of Glory, City of Shame, you have that really beautiful melodic section which is like probably one of the softest moments on the whole record mm. and then and then it has that kind of eerie refrain again the all is good all is great and then it's that bit with all the it sounds like someone changing the channels on like 1960s new york radio and it's like, a murder in this alley and then mm. five percent off this and the, it's like all the channels changing at a really rapid pace and the riff just keeps building the and it's it's almost just the sounds of New York kind of melting and imploding into each other as the song just builds and builds and then a fucking thunder crushes it. Man, that blew my mind. That section when in the middle of uh, Tower of Glory, City of Shame, where, it, where it's almost like, it's like hearing New York implode via black metal. And it, it, it just, that, that to me that's when I knew I was listening to something really special. This is one of my, just full transparency, this is one of my favourite albums of the year. Like, not only metal, like one of my favourite albums of the year, lyrically, musically, performance-wise, production. I think it's a fucking masterpiece. And that's what I was saying, even the lyrics of like, like the, the lyrics here on this track, especially, and the next one, Mercurius Gilded, they, they seem to be talking about, you know, money and about like, kind of how Wall Street and like new money being like an ancient God almost in how like New York runs, you know, and there's like from Babylon to Manhattan, that kind of, there's like a mixture of imagery between very old school black metal, old gods, temples, and then talking about like specifically about New York. And, you know, like, there, like, like I said, Babylon, Manhattan, and there's like, you know, him talking about, you know, on one stage he's talking about like, you know, kneeling at like ancient idols. And then the next line he's talking about uh, looking down the view of 42nd Street. So there's this marrying of like ancient evil imagery and and like literal name dropping places in New York to paint mm. this, this picture of kind of 
disparaging kind of commentary on what he's trying to say. So I think he's using black metal motifs to make more social, com- cryptic commentary on New York life. And I think there's, um, you know, they, they, they talk about New York a lot and how they're inspired, not just by the city and, and the, you know, the people in the city and the behaviours in the city, but the architecture of the city, you yeah. know, the, the, how the city looks. And I, I'm not sure. I think that were it not for the, you know, the changing of the channels and stuff, and I'm not sure if you get that New York thing. I, I, I find sometimes that when people go too high concept or too in on a concept, that you know they start crowbarring in things, and I'm not sure if a band like this need to be doing the channel changing. You know, the very obvious New York stuff, whereas the lyrics, of, you know, from Babylon to Manhattan and you mentioned in 42nd Street, I think that's more, much more in keeping with a band like Imperial Triumphant, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if you'd agree or you just think I'm talking shite, but there's something, there's no, something totally a bit heavy handed or something. I totally get where you're coming from, but I, I also feel if you like, if that's kind of what they if that's the creative decision that they want. Because, I mean, there are there are moments of much more nuanced New York influence, and not just on this album, on, on o- older albums as well. There are tracks that start with real, you know, just full-on sax solos that sound mm. like you're watching some old detective noir film and shit. So I, I totally respect your comment and where you're coming from, and I can almost see that, but I also think... That's just uh, what I, they wanted to do, so, yeah, like... That, that yeah. Personally, that's one of my favourite moments on the whole album, and I think... Cool. It, I, I think it's really cool, but it almost it sounds like watching a listening to a black metal band scoring Max Payne or something, <laughs> which is kind of I just got a kick out of Mercurius Gilded. I already mentioned, you know, the Kenny G Max Gorlick sax guitar off, which is just utterly incredible. And then we talked about the quieter moments. I love how you know after that big sax solo, guitar solo, you think it's over, and then the really eerie choir of the woman's choir comes in and it's like oh, and it sounds like something out of a horror film and that goes on for a good 30-40 seconds and then the thundering riff just comes in really slowly for a couple of bars and then it stops again and then the, the choir comes back in before the outro I just think there's a lot of like nuanced little moments like the way this album is structured is just uh, and that's there's even a I think it's on Chump Change where there are just moments of like the opening track where there's just moments of utter dissonance or noise burying the track where it's like you just hear like these thunders of like piano like buried on top of it and it just kind of drowns out everything. These really avant-garde little moments that are just pressed into the production. There's something I really liked as well. They, they add in, um, I don't know if it's white noise or static or something yes. at the top. It's right at the top of yeah. your, your hearing and it's really like it's quite distracting, but it's also like kind of a little eerie and it's a little intimidating and it's haunting. And and it comes at like the edge of the riff. So it, it almost sounds like it's a part of the riff, but you can almost hear it's just on top of it. And it it's, takes, it sounds up. a little bit like stuff is distorting, but yeah. it's actually, it's added in. I'm, I'm almost certain it's added. No, in no, anyway. I know it's definitely added in. Even yeah. I felt that as well. It, yeah. it, it's put in a place to make it seem like it's a natural distortion, but you can tell it's put on. And it, it's those, those little creepy 
cryptic little nuanced pieces that they put in just to kind of just to add to the dread and the overall dis kind of disorienting experience that the, the music provides. And that goes even further on Death on a Highway, which starts like super psychedelic. Mm. It's really it, that's full on like washy, almost sitar affected psychedelic smog fuzz. And there's like there's 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 synths in there and it's got a real trippy kind of intro before it kind of turns quite raw then and uh, but then it but i all then it brings back that new york kind of vibe again with the it's got like the voices and the distorted radio on top of him kind of singing which i just think is really cool as well i death on the highway is a really nice it's probably it's i think it's one of the briefest it's only like five and a half minutes which is uh, this album's eight tracks is nearly an hour lengthy enough pieces death on the highway for all of its psychedelic uh, first quarter, third, we will, if you will, it, it gets it, it gets into quite this haunting kind of stable kind of old. It, it's probably the most straightforward track after that, apart from the kind of more dissonant glitchy radio sections. But when it goes into the next two tracks, then are and that's what I almost think. Death on a highway, even the title is quite, you know, compared to, you know, how like some other grandiose titles. Death on a highway is quite straightforward mm. of a title, and it's mm-hmm. quite. It's the shortest song and it's the roughest kind of track because it's almost like it's setting you up for how how out there the next two songs go. I mean, In the Pleasure of Their Company is like an acid jazz song for the first two thirds before turning into like the sweetest, most experimental post-metal I've heard all year. And I think that um, Besom Naya, the other one of those tracks you're talking about, uh, the first half of it is so different and it's just this kind of horrifying devolution or devolution I'm not sure you pronounce that into noisy hellish kind of chaos you know that like those stretching and deconstructing passages are, are they're very interesting oh yeah no Bismillah is haunting I mean it sounds mm-hmm. it sounds like the recording of like it's, it reminds me almost of something of like a two a tool interlude offer you know like the really long the really long kind of like almost occult groanings and the the distorted lengthy passages of just harsh mm. kind of dissonant noise and it's and like it, mayhem played at half speed on your turntable like it's yeah you know it's, it's really like creepy and then it slowly builds and builds and it's almost so, like it's almost hearing the distorted like audible replication of a fucking ritual or sacrifice it's it's really haunting and eerie it sounds like things are burning yeah it's mm. really it's you get real like occult kind of imagery from this fully and that's the thing these are two completely instrumental pieces and the pleasure of their company is complete psych out acid jazz it's the guys letting their complete jazz freak flag fry and it's so jazzy and just so trippy and then it and then like the jazz motifs kind of dissipate and it turns into a real like nuanced slowly building post metal song like I said before Bezum Naya goes complete like occult soundscapes and then gets really heavy but there's mm. no lyrics on either of these tracks so it's a good I mean it's a good 10 to 12 minute section of the album that's completely vocalless and it takes and it takes it kind of takes you away from the New York style so it takes you away what you it takes you from the jazz and then it takes you from the New York and you're kind of left like completely bewildered by the end of Besom Naya and then Maximalist Scream, the closing track, kind of brings everything to a full circle, I think. I think this album's immense, man. I think it's just, it's everything I love and look for nowadays in 
in extreme metal, in black metal. Uh, I think it's funny, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we reviewed Black Midi, Hellfire. And my fiance said to me the other day when I had the Imperial Triumphant album on, you know, the last couple of albums you've reviewed have been a bit, you know, a bit intense. And uh, there's definitely some correlations between the kind of the search for like challenging disarray that both Black Midi and Imperial Triumphant exude, which I think stems from jazz. It just stems from the lack of rules, the kind of the 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 you know this the disorienting nature that mu- that your music can provide and i think that that's why they're two of my favorite albums of the year i really found that especially this imperial triumphant album it like i said it reminds me of ad last year's ad nauseum record but whereas ad nauseum was kind of more about pushing the just the really avant-garde kind of confusing kind of riffs and and really just ugly composition this album is much more about using kind of jazz and using using that kind of sensibility to create really avant-garde black metal like i said it almost it sounds like a jazz band playing order with ko by mayhem which is pretty avant-garde black metal album as is and the, like i said the musicianship on here i mean the 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 vocalist guitarist uh, zachary Ilya Ilya ezrin i hope i'm pronouncing that all right I know fuck all about guitar playing, but the solos on here are absolutely ludicrous. I mean, like virtuosic levels of just shredding and like noodling and every type of solo in that. May- I And I usually I'm like, well, I feel like I've heard every type of solo in there is, but I just find the guitar playing throughout this album, especially on the instrumental cut in the pleasure of their company to just be, phenomenal and then i also think steve blanco the bass player it's really cool to hear these jagged dissonant angular avant-garde black like thundering black metal tunes but you just hear these chunky bass lines being walked throughout the track do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like on these really horrible dissonant riffs and just the absolute frantic like you said constant rolling of the it's like jazz blast beats you can just hear the bass this real chunky almost almost like wall of bass he's walking that bass so much of the time man where like you know and a lot a lot of black metal you know there's no bass no bass, you know, but like our old school second wave Norwegian black metal, like the bass is like the fucking like just yeah. not into it. So I mean, it's really cool to hear when you hear a band like this taking the jazz trio approach to black metal composition, and you just hear full on jazz bass walks going on underneath these fucking black metal opuses. I just, I think this record's incredible, bro. Um, so. I have to agree there's a there's a huge level of like compositional intelligence to this record. It's 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 pretty immense. Um I appreciate that a lot. I think this is a deeply disorientating. It is ambitious. It's very claustrophobic record. Um all of which I expected. Do you know I expected Imperial Triumphant to be all of those things. But do you know what I didn't expect? What? That I'd get bored. You got bored? And it, it, 
it was interesting that you brought up Black Midi because at no point on the Black Midi record did my attention drift. Did I not feel engaged? Was I not interested? There's something about this record for me. Um, it just takes an age to get everywhere. The hour-long duration feels like two. And I don't know what it is about the the barrage of instrumentation, but I think the effect dulls after a while. Um, for me, at least. And for a band kind of widely lauded and heralded as really pushing extreme music to new heights or depths or whatever the phrase would be, I suppose, um, I'm not sure I hear it. And I think it's just something that is kind of symptomatic and it's kind of an issue for me. I'm, I'm about to get on my soapbox here a little bit, so I apologise in advance. Um, this brings up an issue for me that's been going on for a little bit in metal and extreme metal. I think that extreme metal and metal are in a little bit of a bad place at the moment. Not in terms of creativity and all of that stuff, but in terms of what's being pushed, you know? Like, if you look at, like, Lorna Shore are being held up as this, like, revolutionary band. They're so bad. And I don't get it. Their whole thing is based on like Winds of Plague and Abigail Williams and their singer can grunt like a pig. That seems to be like the hook. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I've I always put the name Lorna Shore and the more I keep, and when I went to listen to them about a year ago just to see what the hype was, I immediately was just thought, this is just symphonic deathcore, which everyone thought was whack 15 yeah. years ago. And now people love it apparently. Like oh, no. Spirit Box or another band, I mean, they have one. They're shite. What man, is this? They have one incredible song. Holy Roller is an absolute banger. But the rest is so bland. What does this have to do with Imperial Triumphant, though? This is what I'm saying, right? These are the bands that are being pushed, right? And Imperial Triumphant are kind of like the hot band in extreme music. And when it comes to extreme, the bar is for me. The Satanist by Behemoth. And b- despite the qualities that this record possesses, it's not even close. I mean, the the Satanist runs laps around this album for me. Um, and I'm, I'm a little worried that metal, which I do still love, despite shitting on it every now and then, is getting swallowed a little bit under these endless, like, metal and deathcore bands. And I'm beginning to feel a little bit of stagnation in the realm of extreme, too. I don't think an album this extreme and this this avant-garde and this ambitious, all of which it is, should ever get boring. Like, in the way that something like Black Midi never gets boring. Not for a second. And this, to me despite appreciating it and being impressed by it, I'm waiting for it to finish and I'm a little bit bored by it. Which, And this is the band that are being pushed. They're being tipped as this revolutionary extreme metal band and I'm just not sure. I don't hear it, you know? I just think you're super wrong. Uh, and that's about like I mean and, and, I, and I, I absolutely need- might be like, you know what I mean? But it's just, this is my impression, you know? And When I first listened to this album and it finished, I was so excited just to press play again. And that's no exaggeration. My first time, this album's an hour long. And the first time I listened to it, 
I listened to it straight away again. I listened to it twice in a row consecutively because when it was over, I was so excited to ju- to experience every- that entire thing again and anticipate the moments that had excited me so much and know they would come up again. When I went back a second time, everything about it, I couldn't wait for the piano stab in Metro Vertigo. I couldn't wait for the melodic passage before all the New York channel changing in uh, Tower of Glory, City of Shame. I was so excited for the psychedelic kind of proggy intro to Death on a Highway. The, The absolute like just jazz freak out that goes on throughout uh, in the pleasure of their company, the the occult terror of Besam Naya, the every like so much of the album had my jaw on the floor and gave me shivers. And like the first on first listen, and every time I go back, all my favorite moments, I know they're waiting for me, and I know that they're they're slowly coming back to me. And I ever, I just think this, the album is just this intense haunting experience, and I. I don't, I couldn't even, I don't know how you could find a boring even for a second. I just think it's, I find it hypnotic and enveloping. And I think it's the finest metal album I've heard all year. Uh, and it's definitely one of my favorite records of the year. And I just think, I and I just think it's so impressive. Music, like I said, musically, I mean, the drummer. Uh, that Kenny, I cannot argue with. Definitely not. It's so that, fucking impressive. That Kenny Grohowski, man, like the drumming is just. I don't think like I, I can't remember the last time I heard drumming that good in my it's life. It's insane, yeah. Nuts! Like these guys are clearly like they're all tours. Like they're 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 masters of their craft. They're like, fantastic you know, musicians. Um, yeah, and I, I and I I, well, I do I think that some of the riffing is really fucking. I know it's probably the point that it's no, that kind is, of a it's a blunt instrument. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Well, that's why I said earlier. You know, there's almost to me at points this sounds like a jazz version of Ordoid K.O. by Mayhem mm. because that Ordoid K.O. by Mayhem, like that was Blasphemer's last album with them. And the riffs on that are so like, like you said, the guitar is a blunt instrument. They're almost just, they sound like the jutting of a motor and they're just so fucking oppressive and almost like meandering. And and when you take a jazz kind of like approach to that and even still, and then sometimes I find that's the most black metal thing where you have like the bass and drum locked in on this complete jazz just loop. And then it's the guitars that have this jagged, oppressive black metal nihilism in them. And it sways between the of the guitar and the complete kind of organic rhythm of the of the, the bass and the drums. I I get what you're saying. Like if you're not if you're not feeling, but those I think those dissonant, really meandering, like ceaseless kind of guitar stabs are like they're a real part of the hypnotic kind of mm. experience that goes on. I I, I, I just I think this thing is immense start to finish. I, I can't wait to get it on vinyl. I I think it's just a masterwork of extreme metal, avant-garde jazz. Like in, I said sorry to interrupt, but just when you're saying that, like in, in, in the annals of history, so in the extreme metal this is sorry, this is putting you firmly on the spot, my apologies. But like where do you like place this alongside? Take Ardo Ed Kao. Is this better or worse than Ordo Ikeo for you? I think it's almost on a par with Ordo Ikeo. See, I just... I, I think, I think Ardo, Ardo Ikeo is... F- Ordo like, Ikeo is one of the scariest albums ever made. Yeah, and this is not scary. And uh, not this music should be, scary, be like scary or something. I don't know. The Ad Nauseam album from last year, I mean, that thing's a masterwork of horror. Like that... 
but this to me doesn't isn't trying to be horrific though it's trying to be challenging in a different way mm. but i i i don't think terror is the name of imperial triumphant's game they're kind no of looking, definitely not i agree you no know, they're trying to kind of they're trying to just cast a certain mood i think they're trying to provoke a uh, provoke thought and experience and kind of bring out a certain mood but i i don't think they're they're as i don't think they're attempting to be as accosting as like maybe mayhem or ad nauseum mm. where i feel they're more about like i said striking a mood but i but there's something about them man i really like I mean, there's and that and you have to keep in mind as well. We're in a play and an, an impasse of extreme metal. Where I mean, we've had order with KO. We've had, like I mean, it, it's the hard. Satanist. Yeah, we, we had to say this. It's hard for but even like Behemoth would never do something like the Satanist, and they can't. No. So I mean, we're, we're never gonna have Mayhem will never do order with KO again. We're never gonna have these kind of projects. So I mean, I get bands trying to push metal to new places with like with outlier influence like i mean like i keep saying imperial triumphant are a jazz trio playing black metal ad nauseum like their whole manifesto about last year's imperative and perceptible impulse was how it was influenced by stravinsky and steve mm. albini so i mean do you not was- think that like someone like um arenzi pazuzu is pushing things much further than imperial triumphant no i i think there's equal ground for both i right, would okay. I, I, I would I would hold Arancy Pazuzu, Ad Nauseum, and Imperial Triumphant all in the same lane of amazing forward-thinking, boundary-pushing extreme metal acts. I'd nearly put like someone like Artificial Brain up there as well. Like, I mean, there's there's so much great, like technical, progressive, outsider, extreme metal going on. Be it with the vanguard influence, being it from jazz, be it from like you know classical be it from like more really technical or really dark or blackened i i think extreme metals in a fantastic place i i couldn't disagree with you more i i think we're i think the the impasse of like bands having to think outside of the metallic box mm. and bring in from other genres is creating some of the most intriguing progressive like extreme metal albums i've heard in a long time and i mean and then you've mm. bands who've taken like the hardcore and metal approach like i love portrayal of guilt one mm-hmm. of my favorite modern bands and their and their music is so extreme and pummeling but there's a lot of kind of black metal and hardcore influence in that so and extreme metal nods kind of like full of hell as well but i really feel someone like this there's something like this imperial triumphant album is kind of to me, this is the creme de la creme of metal for me nowadays. This is the type of metal that gets me so excited. I messaged you when I started listening to this new Imperial Triumphant album that I was wetting myself. I was enjoying it so much. And it's the same when I discovered Ad Nauseum last year. Like, I mean, that album, like, freaks the living shit out of me. And I love when it's metal... scary record. Out. Yeah, because you know what? I, and it all comes back to you know, extreme metal. Like, it was black metal and it's death metal. And it goes back to different... Like horror movies, I go to extreme metal because I want my metal music to provoke an unnatural kind of alien or like a a cold, scared feeling in me the same way De Mysteries did to me when I was like 13 and I fucking listened or Burzum did. And, And like I said, Imperial Triumphant mightn't be the scariest, but it still provokes that reaction that of like this fearfulness of something alien, something that I shouldn't be experiencing, something that's not made for human ears. Uh, that that's kind of that's when I know extreme metal has really 
keyed into something hence or my love for order with ko projects like that mm. and i get that from this imperial triumphant album where i feel like i've stumbled onto something that my human ears shouldn't be like listening to something alien something mm. cryptic and it and it provokes that reaction in me that that's how i know it's my like it's my special extreme metal album of the year because i can only find one or two every year and this is really it's albums like this that make me so excited for like that that metal can still do this to me and be this challenging and scary really and so this like obviously from the sounds of it like this is really really after jazzing you up like you're really like excited about this project and jazzing me up yeah oh yeah actually my apologies for the the crappy pun that I didn't mean. I think that this it might be just me being a little bit jaded. Maybe I think that my tastes have changed so much that like my eye is now so firmly on turnstile and knock loose and the lads. Like you know that it's kind of yeah. it. Like as even when the Satanist came out, I keep going back to the Satanist because I honestly think the Satanist is the greatest extreme metal album of all time. I think it captured a sense of evil and a sense of renewed vigor and life that I hadn't heard in extreme metal in a long time and I was out of the extreme metal game at that point and that like I always keep an eye on it because I always want to hear the new shit I always want to hear that new sound coming through the airwaves I always want to hear that stuff man and this just this just isn't cutting it for me I'm so disappointed in it because I don't know why that is. I don't know what it is about this that leaves me cold and not in the way you're describing that cold kind of freaked out feeling almost, but like just cold, man. This provokes very little reaction for me. Very, very little. I just, yeah. You actually wrong. seem stunned. I am. I, I, yeah, I don't it's, know. yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know how anyone who, anyone worth their salt in the metal <laughs> game can't just be like, can't just be wowed to fuck by this record. I think it's just, I think it's special, man. I really, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think I would nearly go as far as to call this a masterwork. I think it's incredible. Mm. I, or it's, it's going to be in my top 10 albums, I'd say. Oh, from the sounds of it, it definitely will. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, think, I, man, I, I think it's I, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to come back to it and it'll just fucking, it'll blow me away. And, but I, there's, it it's leaves like, me missing something. Like I want something else. It's not giving me whatever it is that I want. It's tickling everything for me. It's t- it's tickle ticking my my jazz box. My like my need for like oppressive dark metal. My mm. avant garde kind of thirst. It, it it's kind of it's giving me everything, man. It, and just when I kind of feel like I've navigated it, it kind of pulls the rug out from under me. Mm-hmm. I think there's yeah, and I also don't think it's too long. Because, I mean, we, we keep saying it's an hour, but it's really like... 54 like minutes, isn't it? 54 minutes. So, I mean, you know, th- that's usually based on your perception of time. It's either six minutes short of an hour or it's nine minutes longer than three quarters of an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's however you want to look at it, but it's less than an hour. And, I mean, by the time I listened to it my second time, I thought it flew by. The more And more and more I listen to it, the more quicker it goes because the more familiar I become with the material... That I just have to disagree with. What I might be wrong about everything else, but this just feels so long to me. No, man, no. Once once you get immersed in it, I find it just flies by. You kind of just become one with the, the trip almost. I 
I think it's, yeah, I like I use the word enveloping and it's so pompous, but I'll stand by it. Once, once I kind of, I, and it almost, because when the album starts with the opening track, Chum Change, you just have the drum rolls kind of, it's almost like warming up. And then you hear the, chah, 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 and it's like the, the fucking like lead getting plugged into the, the guitar mm. and the amp turned on, which is a very punk kind of way to start an album. And then once every, once it's all systems are go and that first, riff comes in it, it it's almost kind of like right ready and it just kind of grabs you and pulls you into this bleak gilded fucking hallucinatory world of gold and jazz and decrepit chaos and i just i think it's a sultry slimy beautiful masterwork mm. of of extreme avant-garde jazz inflected black metal i i think it's awesome i think it's unreal can I ask you, and obviously I'm not saying that they're the same genre or anything, but if you compare this to uh, Black Midi, which comes out on top for you? Mm. Or is that a very difficult question after only a couple of weeks with both? Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that you've asked me a question that basically I'm going to need all of like the <laughs> second half of November and December to figure out. That's like, fair enough. I'm the guy who put up his top 21, his top 2021 albums in like February of last year. So like, you know, I, I, yeah. those two are going to be very close in the top 10. So I mean, okay, yeah, cool. uh, yeah I'm, I have no idea because I'm vibing on both of them so strong at the moment. Uh, and they're almost, too, uh, ah, fuck's sake, Black Midi probably because Black Midi's just got, got the songs. But, I wonder, you know, I wonder is it because that whole Black Midi world is almost entirely new to me? that I'm excited by that. And this is not entirely new to me. So I'm a little bit like, uh, you know, I wonder if it's something to do with that. But like, now, Maybe. I must Maybe say, not- as a complete shot in the dark, that Black Midi album is like, climbing every time I listen to it up my list. Like, I'm fucking in love with that record. Like, It's unbelievable. Like I said, yeah. I even watched... Uh, I watched like the full pro shot video of their set from Central Park there last night. They did a free show in Central Park earlier this week and had like a, a, a winner of The Voice as their supporting act. <laughs> and shit. they're total piss takers. They even they, they played Coachella a couple of weeks ago and they came out on stage and the singer was like, I've never seen so many cunts in one room. <laughs> Coachella. So nice. no, Black Midi or Black Midi or next level. But uh yeah. But I, I don't know. Maybe maybe because the, the whole thing with Black Midi as well is probably because you didn't really like Schlagenheimer Cavalcade that you're probably like, ooh, that Hellfire has clicked with you. Whereas Imperial Triumphant, you're, like you said, maybe you're a bit more jaded. I think so. And like, I... Everyone, it's all that like, fucking Taylor Swift you've been listening to. <laughs> That's what happened. It's, yes, I've got, I've figured it out, dear listeners. That's why the Imperial Triumphant album isn't knocking his socks off. Too much time with Tay-Tay and Dua Lipa. I wonder... Yeah, I, I I don't know what it is, man, and it's it's not. I, I don't even I don't even know what it's not giving me. You know. Yeah, you've told me it's missing something, but you haven't been able to tell me what what it is. I can't verbalize what it is. It it doesn't it doesn't put me in that place that I feel extreme metal should. Like and I said, if I it's doing it massively for you. So and obviously, and I'm going to home. Like I'm never going to claim to be the world's biggest extreme metal fan or the most knowledgeable fan you're way more in touch with that scene than i am so your take on this is <laughs> much more valuable than mine but when i see the 
when I see the lavish praise that got heaped on Alphaville and I listen to it, I'm like, this does not match up with this. You know, the praise versus the actual record. Whereas when I hear some of the more like pushing, like when I heard people talking about clipping, I was like, clipping aren't that good. And then I listened to them and I'm like, ah. Clipping is the best thing ever. Like, Do you know ever. what I mean? And I was just like, they're, to me, clipping are undeniable. They're more extreme than this is to me. They're like, they're yeah, boundary pushing, extreme, avant-garde, progressive band. I don't hear the progressive in this. And that's me being... Oh, I totally disagree. You, this okay. is this is progressive as it gets. Like I think I, I mean you, and I think it's it's kind of fucking hard to to compare a progressive experimental extreme hip hop group to a black metal. I mean extreme metal and extreme hip hop or experimental hip hop. Like it's very hard to kind of compare the two, especially when clipping are like clippings is industrial produced. And I, I get where you're coming from, but I think for for extreme metal and for the scene that it's in, I don't, I don't know how much more kind of like out there and and boundary pushing and and technical and fucking musical and challenging you can get than this. While also, I think what works so much about this Imperial Triumphant album is that like, like I said, that ad nauseum album has no interest in guiding or holding the hand of anyone. Mm-hmm. That album is like ludicrous in its almost it, its purposeful impenetrability, whereas. Spirit of Ecstasy sounds like it it wants listeners. It wants people to come on the journey. It it is it's it's extreme metal and it's avant-garde jazz inflected, but it it isn't impenetrable. It's just challenging. But it to me, it it sounds like it yearn, and that's why there are those really melodious elements and, and moments of respite. It wants people to come on this this kind of orchestrated tour. To like the way they even describe their music is kind of like, you know, the hotel hop tops to like the bottom floor, like slums. It like they want to encompass all parts of New York. And like it's almost like coming on this hallucination trip for a while. But there isn't that impenetrability factor, which I, I, I think this is quite an inviting, lush, warm, dissonant, ugly, extreme metal experience, if that makes sense. Um. This this is like Maybe. an extreme metal avant-garde album that the mainstream metaler might be able, might be. Able, do you not think so? You're shaking your head. I do you think, I don't do you think, think so. Alienating for them. Okay. Yeah, I think probably, this is. I was trying to be nice. This is again, again, a bit like Black Midi. It's it's funny. They're completely different, but there's a lot of parallels. I think. Yes. I think this is for music heads. This is for musos. This is for people. This is for people who like clipping. This is for people who like out there shit. Yeah. This is this is not for people who think that rap music, hip hop can't be heavy. I mean, clipping's no, no, last no. two records, one of them gave me a panic attack. Like I legit had to pull over my car and like put back my seat and lie down. They are scary. They are fucking terrifying. They're heavier than they're heavier than fucking Lorna Shore, man. Give me a fucking break. Like clipping are way heavier than Lorna Shore. I have all clipping shit on vinyl, man. Clipping are on. They are fucking incredible, and I think that I 
I don't want to come across as saying this is bad because this absolutely is not bad. This no, just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable is what it is. It's unreal. Like just, musically, oh. it's musically, it's fucking stunning. Like it is, it's, and compositionally, it's very interesting, and it takes you. It does take you on a journey, and it does put you in a certain place, and but it just. There is something amiss here for me. I don't see how this is the bleeding edge of progressive music. And like I said, that could be a lot down to me just being jaded. But And also that is me being slightly disconnected from, from the extreme metal scene as a whole, I guess. I don't think this is the bleeding edge of progressive music, but I think it's one of the most impressive black metal albums and unique spins on extreme metal that there's been this year like okay. i said I, I yeah i think it's like i said i i, I think it's like it's a jazz at the end of the day they're like a jazz trio playing black metal like i keep saying it's mm. very avant-garde mm. it's very it's very well produced it's very dark it's very it's I don't very like, like production i love the production love it i love the the tinny almost kind of fucking micro guitar sound with the kind of wall, cluster wall of bass and drums I love all the, the like I put up point out earlier the avant-garde kind of motifs the, the piano stabs and I, I just I think and like I said I think that there's almost I think people who like more mainstream metal might be able to approach this more than they could approach like ad nauseum from last year or full of hell. That's a bit, I think there's almost enough space that they could, but it would take a, like you said, it's quite musical. It's for musos really, You're, but like, I, I honestly think, and this is me again, being a dickhead, but you know what? I don't care. Cause a lot of those people are dickheads as well. You're giving the mainstream metal fan far too much credit. They are not open to progressive music. They don't yeah. want this. Look at the backlash Opeth have gotten. Look at the backlash someone like Anathema has gotten. Look at the backlash any band who's done anything different ever has done. Yeah, I'm going to just put out a disclaimer. I I have been very just trying to be nice to the common metalhead. I I, I think this is too much for them. I do. I it is. It nice. is too much. It is too much. And there's going to be that guy who's like, who who fucking loves malevolence, you know, and fair fucking play. That's that's your shit. That's your mainstream metal fan. Like this is never going to be on the main stage of download. No, God no. But you know what I mean? No, but this will have its this deserves every bit of praise that it's getting. I think I, it'll I think it'll get its champions. And do you know what? As you said about fucking malevolence, I fucking hope it gets championed. I hope Imperial Triumph get massive and prove me wrong and prove everyone who like They're already pretty massive. They're doing well to be fair to them, like. Mm. Yeah, for what? what for a band playing what they're playing. Yeah, getting, that's true. Exposure, to be fair. like That's true, yeah. Um, I, there is just something for three blokes, a bit for me. For three blokes who write jazz trio, black mm. metal, dressed in like black robes with big gold masks. Mm. Just, like, I mean, to have Kenny G on your album and to be that's getting cool, like yeah. huge like publications like Revolver and stuff spieling about you and putting articles I mean most of the extreme metal albums I listen to each year don't get any coverage like that like. do you know what it is, is interesting though I would really like to see this live yes I they're actually playing Arctangent in a few weeks but there's yeah. no London date around the same time I need to watch some of their live videos so I'm curious how the fuck your man sings through that big gold mask mm, maybe that's why it sounds so buried 
you know it's behind the gold mask well i just i deep dive the lyrics on this and everything and i just think it's i just think it's an immense experience i think it if like i mean i think we've we've spieled about it enough but like i think so yeah probably if, if you like your black metal like challenging and dissonant and experimental and you like you like kind of jazz embellishments and stuff like like I said, this is very much jazz trio black metal with a vanguard all over it, and it's it's out there and it. But it, I still find it quite lush in a strange way, and it is even if extreme metal isn't necessarily your thing. If you like your tunes and you're out there enough, and you like metal and you like, I think I think this is worth it for the experience. If you can handle something a bit out there and a bit of vanguard and a bit intense, this is quite the hypnotic experience. I, this is one of my favorite. This is not only my favorite metal album so far this year. It's one of my favorite albums of the year, just without a doubt. I, Period of Triumph and Spirit of Ecstasy. It's it's, it's got an ecstatic review from me, <laughs> and it's got a spirited review from me. Oh oh, 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 double whammy of puns for your punnage. Prick. I, I would, despite everything I've said, I would recommend that everyone listen to this. I think you should. It's an experience, if nothing else. It was just that maybe it was the day it caught me on that I just was not in the farm and I'm going to be eating my words come the end of the year. And I hope, I hope I am because, you know. Like I said, why not? On, on Metro Vertigo, when it gets to the, the chanting of build, build, now, now, you know, our gift for Master Bal. Like, I don't even know who the fuck Master Bal is, but I I want to, like, contribute to this offering for Master mm. Bal. I am in the experience at that point. I am looking at this golden Egypt meets New York hallucination shit that they're they're conjuring, and I am so enveloped in the experience. I I love this thing. I think it's Good. I think spectacular. Good. And I think I think it is incredibly impressive but it just left me a little bit cold, possibly just on the day. So who knows? And like I said, I would actually, I you've given me so much to think about that I'm hopefully going to listen to this again and reframe it, you know, in mm. in terms of what you've said, you know, and because that's like, I always say it, whenever I press play, I want to fucking love something. So I'm going to go back and listen to this with open ears and get on board, hopefully. But um, I think that's about it for episode 23, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Um, it has been a pleasure as always, my friend. I have enjoyed very, very much talking about this record with you today. I think it was um very and like I said, you've given me loads to think about. Um and I'll hopefully go back now and re reassess it. But uh, that's it for further record. That was Imperial Triumphant Spirit of Spirit Spirit Period. Spirit Spirit of Ecstasy. And uh, it's it's a wild ride and uh I would definitely recommend you check it out. And you should also we... check us out on For The Record Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my name is Tierney. Next, hold on. What are we doing for the next couple of weeks? I can't remember. I don't really know. I'm not sure. Oh, you... I want to do Beyonce, but... I really don't. <laughs> I really fucking don't. Uh, we do also have a couple of... Um, I was going to say customer requests, but I meant listener requests because yeah. y'all don't pay us, and and that wasn't the dig. We don't we don't deserve money for this shit. But I meant listener requests. We actually have a couple of listener requests that we kind of have to kick through as well. So we might do we might one, get around to one of them next, maybe. Yeah, maybe a listener request, and then we can argue for another week, and then I'll finally agree to do a Beyonce. <laughs> Fair, um, but in the meantime, always remember, music is the best. Music is the best. I'm buggy. Bye.